Hello and welcome to the Court of Ballots podcast, home of the dad bods and feminine mystique. <laughs> I'm V, and I'm here with Joe. Hello. <laughs> We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps. So you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. Um, to start off, I want you to go first, Joe, because you, oh, <laughs> you have a title I haven't read yet, and you've read both of my titles. This is true. Uh, all right. Well, I, of course, have been reading the new action comics and Superman comics that have been coming out at post-Bendis and post-Future State. So this is Superman 30. It is being written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, and the art this time was actually done by Scott Godlewski. And can you remind me what Philip Kennedy Johnson did in Future State? Um, Pop quiz. <laughs> I couldn't. Really? I don't. I don't think he had one I for Future State. He definitely didn't do Superman of Metropolis. All I really knew him from was the Last God Black Label comic. That was basically DC's way of trying to get into the D&D world. Oh. So they had like a Black Label 12-issue miniseries, and he wrote that. And uh, it wasn't doing good, from what I heard, but it was doing well enough that it was able to finish out. That's pretty good, actually, when you can manage. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe he has something on them. He was the writer on Superman Worlds of War. Oh, that's right. Also the writer on the one-shot, The House of L. Oh, Okay. I can't tell for sure because my phone just died. <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, that kind of makes sense then. If he did the the Gladiator Superman story in Future State. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I spoke about him a little bit last week too when I just touched on like this Superman titles and just it's kind of really boring. Right. And it's kind of still the, the case here. And to me personally just two issues in he's falling into a bendis trap that i've noticed was in a lot of bendis things which is you put in a lot of words but you're not really saying anything Mm -hmm. i feel that's what happened with this story this story is already cut in half as it is because he is sharing with this other writer called sean lewis sean lewis is writing this tales of metropolis story that seems to be focusing on bibbo babowski who's like (laughs) superman's biggest fan but now he's trying to be a writer but now the first one didn't make any sense at all this one i didn't even bother to because two pages in i was still really lost and confused but jimmy olsen made an appearance and ambush bug is now acting like the dc deadpool no yeah so he's doing like fourth wall breaks and stuff I mean, it kind of makes sense with the fourth wall breaks for Ambush Bug, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like... It doesn't... He doesn't have the style to pull off, like, a Deadpool. No. And, again, I want to say they both take up half. Because mm-hmm. normally the short story takes up, like, four pages at the most, but this one definitely seemed like it went on for longer. Mm-hmm. And the Superman title felt like could have get summed up in, like, three pages. Gotcha. So pretty much, like, you get to see a family outing, the, the Kens go mini-golfing. Okay. And I guess one of the other things that came back from Infinite Frontier was Clark is still has his identity revealed to the world that he's Superman. So he's not wearing the glasses as they're doing mini-golfing. And you have, like, some people looking at him, some people are taking pictures of him. 
but him and the family are kind of like basically acting like celebrities where they don't really pay mind to it if they see it happening to them like paparazzi I guess. and uh there's like some little banter between lois and john you know like just family type of dialogue thing but meanwhile clark is just thinking in his head about how he really wishes he could have been there for his son and it's basically the stuff that we've been seeing the past two issues between Superman and his action comics where he's just playing the role of this sad parent that didn't get to watch their kid grow up and he doesn't know what to do about it you say it once okay but if you're just gonna keep repeating it and repeating it well isn't it what they keep doing with Batman and Alfred they're like hey remember Batman his dad's dead but now his second dad is dead. Oh, no. Well, that was the whole thing with Batman himself. It was like, hey, remember, his parents died. Uh, hey, remember, Crime Alley's a thing. Yeah, but now it feels like they're just constantly bringing up Alfred. Every issue has to mention Alfred and how crippled Batman is and how sad he is. And I feel like they're doing the same thing with, with Superman, but it's been almost worse because, like we've said, Bendis, like... It's like one of those da na 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 na. My wife left me. She brought my son to my homicidal dad. Dropped him off in an alternate hellscape. He was tortured for years. By my clone. But he's back. And he's not mentally unwell at all. Ugh. The whole thing just needs to be retconned, honestly, because it was such a misstep. I was really hoping for that. I know a lot of people were really hoping that, you know, John would get de-aged again. Which, as much as we were hoping, I kind of feel like it fell into that Tim Kahn thing where it's just not going to happen. John's 17, they're going to keep it 17. But that's why we have people like Tomasi, who is continuing to write a young Jonathan Kent in his Challenge of the Super Sons miniseries. Because he knows this is what people want. They don't want to see uh, Damien dealing with whatever he's dealing with right now of not being Robin and trying to figure out if he wants to join the League of Assassins and a 17-year-old John Kent. No. But, yeah, he's basically just... He's looking at his son and Lois and being like, wow, like, I really love my family, but I just wish I could have been there for you. I don't know how you did it on your own. You're becoming such a man, blah, blah, blah. Again, it just sounds like a really sad parent, and I don't know, maybe it's Philip Kennedy Johnson self-inserting. I know he's a father of two, but I don't know what his relationships are like with his kids. Well, didn't you say he did this in another comic as well? Yeah. So, remember that Alien comic that we were talking about last time? I seem to recall you saying you were not going to read that. I wasn't going to pay for it. Oh, you pirated it. Didn't say pirate it, but I read it, and I had to drop it halfway through because I really could not get into it. Again, he's focusing the story on this guy who is another dad that was out in space because, you know, the whole alien thing, he was in the military for so long, he missed his kids growing up. And then he finally comes back down to earth to retire and tries to rebuild a relationship with his son. Mm -hmm. And the son's not having it because he's like, you were gone for so long. You could have came home at any, any point. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of parallels there. I mean, he could be working through something, or it could just be how he thinks to, he can create drama is with father issues. But, 
like I said the last time too, like we don't need any more unnecessary drama. All the drama happened in the Bendis issues. So now this should be a point of, hey, let's not stretch this out. Let's actually repair this. Let's actually have more of these family moments that we're seeing with them doing mini golf. Let's see more of Clark trying to adjust to, okay, now I have a teenage son. I need to treat him like a teenager. We need to work as Superman and Superboy on a, he's more mature now. He can obviously handle a lot more than he did when he was 12 and his powers were still developing. Mm -hmm. Let's see more of that. Let's not see this like, I'm not ready to replace you. I can't be Superman yet, or I'm not going away for a long time, but you'll be ready. It's sort of like they're lobotomizing them and only showing us like half of their personality. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like there was like this richness back when, um, when I started actually on this um, Superman family journey with John. Um, I think the first one I read with them all together was when they were all at a not a carnival yeah the county fair yeah they were at a county fair together there wasn't a ton of introspection where he's like oh man me 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 he's like trying to father him he's trying to instill lessons into him he's talking with his wife naturally like they're friends and it was such a fun thing to read because at the same time lois made both of them promise no superheroing while Mm -hmm. they're at the county fair yeah and they all kind of have this easy chemistry with each other. You believe that they're a family, mm-hmm. that they have this camaraderie, uh, this shared experience. Yeah. And you want to get to know this family. You want to get to know their dynamic, how they grow together, how they deal with conflict as a team. And what we have instead is this highly improbable, kind of unbelievable thing that's happened that you just have a really hard time wrapping your mind around. And instead of addressing it in a way that would help you, it seems like we're kind of kicking the ball around, kind of dancing around the issue. And it's not that we're not addressing the issue. We are. It's just that we're addressing it in such a weird way Mm -hmm. because nobody knows what to do. Like, they quite literally wrote the entire Superman mythos into a corner. Yeah. And nobody knows how to get it out again. That's pretty much it because they, it reads like they're just kicking a can. And it reminds me a lot of Tom King's Batman in a way, like during that weird story arc where he was kind of going through the simulations of things because he was so depressed. Mm -hmm. It gives me that same type of vibe where it's like, are you trying to say like Clark is depressed? Mm-hmm. Is this what the angle we're trying to go for right now? Are both of them depressed? There's nothing really exciting. And then, so, to get back into it, Clark and John both here with, like, the frequency thing, like, one of Superman's old communicators that he gave to an alien friend. Oh. The, the, reaching out for help. So, they tell Lois, and he's like, I, I need to go. She's like, okay, I, I love you. Be safe. He's like, I think this would be great for John to come, too. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. You guys keep each other safe. So they go out into space. They go to this planet. I feel like this is another thing that like we've seen before. <laughs> I was just thinking if I was writing it, how I would make it terrible. Because he would be like, he'd be like, all right, we're going. When I get back, you better not be shacked up in some <laughs> hotel. Don't run away from home again, Lois. <laughs> Boops are on the nose. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Slight injustice vibes. <laughs> it's like, 
I'll know where you've been, Lois. No, it's just like, please, <laughs> please stop running away. I never know why or when you're going to do it. How's the case? I'd be like, I think it'd be great if we all went. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't trust me alone, huh, small girl? <laughs> nope. <laughs> you haven't earned it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> so they go to this alien planet, and it's a it's a thing I feel like we've seen before. They touch down. They get ransacked by the natives. Clark says, you know, don't hurt them. They're normally friendly. It's been a really long time since I've been here. I actually forgot to look into this, into the alien names of these people, because there was no editor note saying, like, oh, Clark actually gave the communicator to so-and-so back in Superman, blah, blah, blah. Mm. There was nothing like that, so I forgot to actually look it up on my own, so that's on me. This one, you also forgot to name the editor, because we need to shame them. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We gotta start getting back into that. But yeah, then somebody that Clark did know, it wasn't his friend, but it was the son of the friend. He's the new ruler of this alien tribe, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so happy to see you, it's been so long, but why are you here? Clark tells him, he's like, I got a call from your father on my old communicator I gave him. He's like, well, that's impossible. My dad's been dead for years, and your communicator was lost decades ago, but Ooh. you should stay for dinner and stuff, and so... And they have this whole festival thing. They're retelling the story of when Superman was last on the planet, how him and the guy's father helped take down this giant alien being. He just reassures Clark. He's like, you know, I really wish that it were true that you got this distress call from over here. But like I said, my my dad's been dead and the communicator's been lost. And so Clark and John say their goodbyes. They start to leave the planet. Wow. And then Clark says... I don't know about this. I have a weird feeling because just something in the story didn't really line up. So they fly back down to the planet unseen. They go into the same spot that the battle took place because that's where the monster was buried. And sure enough, there's the communicator there. And inside the monster, it looks like something broke out. And then it cuts to the alien tribesmen all of a sudden looking more possessed than usual and he attacks one of his own. And that's it. Cliffhanger. Yeah. Didn't really feel like it had a lot of impact. Okay. But overall, like, I don't know, like, I gave this thing, like, a 4 out of 10. Like, it was a story. It's been told before. I'm sure it will be told again. It's just, it's nothing very original. And I'm just not really getting pulled into this, like, where I'm supposed to feel emotion. I get you. The only thing that I really liked was the whole family mini-golfing moment. Granted, I'm still not a fan of Clark's identity being known to the world, but right. aside from that factor, it that was probably my favorite part in the comic, inner monologue aside. Honestly, they should just explore this stuff in like the expectation that it will be retconned, because it's not better. Nobody knows what's going on, because I think I was, I was just talking with this with their friend Aiden uh, the other day about how... In the past decade, the DC Universe has rebooted three times. Mm -hmm. And it still doesn't know what it wants to do. I think there's no central vision at the head. There's just a bunch of people running around doing things. And Mm -hmm. I don't know who's giving them permission to do it. Or if they all have some dirt on the CEOs. I don't don't know what's going on. Or it's really just like they're awaiting further, like, commands from AT&T, I want to (laughs) say. Of, like, where do you want us to go? What? How should we proceed after this whole future state thing? 
that that was supposed to be the big selling thing. Right. And I don't even think it was a big seller, but it definitely got a lot of press just because of how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Everyone and, was like, please don't do this. Right. And so we got Infinite Frontier with some Future State stuff still getting thrown in, like mm-hmm. this Future State Gotham thing coming out, some Imperious Lex that just ended. Thank something goodness. Something else that's Future State related that's coming out. You know, it it just seems like what you said before. Everyone's kind of just, like, kicking this can around of, like, I guess I can keep writing a couple more stories of this. I don't really know what you want me to do. Do you want me to do an event? Do you want me to collab with an event? Like, what's going on here? We're all kind of just passing time until this Infinite Frontier thing fully gets busted out in June. That's definitely how it looks on the outside, mm-hmm. for sure. It ju- It just looks chaotic. Like, there's a house party, and the parents are gone, and everybody's just doing their own thing. But the people who are throwing, like, the the members of this house party, they're not even, like, familiar people. No. Ever since Future State, it's been a whole new crowd. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't really like this crowd. No, and that's the thing, too. Like, we're a month and a half in now, post-Future State, and have we really enjoyed anything? I mean... I gotta say, Ram V's Catwoman was okay, right? But yeah. then, like, now his Catwoman is kind of, uh, it's kind of bland. Yeah. And the thing about it is, we, we constantly say this, that the, the superhero genre, the idea of myths, they're a way for us to try out ideas in a sort of larger scale, mm-hmm. you know, take things to a bigger conclusion. And I think that's a really great way of examining real-world concepts through fantasy. Mm-hmm. And we like to see it. We like to see our characters grow and expand and deal with issues that we're dealing with. But we like to see them do it in their way. We like to see them show individuality. We like to see them test their personalities against different um, stressors. Mm-hmm. And like this story, for example, it's a stressor against um, a father and a son. So are we telling how this father and son are going to draw closer from this? Are we showing how it's pushing them apart, how it's playing on their fears, how it's helping them grow? Or is this just another obstacle course to run them through for no reason at all except to show some action scenes? Like, I can see the purpose being, like, this is supposed to bring Clark and John closer together. This is also supposed to show John that, like, he could be ready to become Superman that he doesn't need to doubt himself. It's like that coming-of-age type of thing. And I can see a parallel between um, an evil son and a kindly father on the planet. Well, especially because Philip Kennedy Johnson in Infinite Frontier, the the Zero issue, (laughs) had uh, Martian Manhunter tell Diana, this boy is a menace, he should never become Superman. And uh, thanks for that. And then he kind of throws his other son to the wayside to join the Suicide Squad. Yeah, nobody is looking out for Connor. He's got nobody who's got his back, which is weird because he has so many friends. That he just got back. It makes no sense. Mm -mm. And as we always ask during every soft reboot, where's Tim? (laughs) Tim is kind of the glue holding a lot of it together, and he's missing... Yep, he'll show up in a Batman comic eventually. Tinian can't put him down. Yeah, but his fans have not liked how he's portrayed him. This is true, too. That's what I heard recently. But, uh, yeah, I gave this thing a solid 3, 4 out of 10. It was just boring. The art was okay. Alright, well, let's hope that, you know, with some practice, he'll become yeah. sort of a middling writer. <laughs> <laughs> 
I give them all like the benefit of the like slow start story arc. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, get like this like weird awkward entrance thing out of the way, and then let's get into like the actual stuff. So we'll see what happens after this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Three to five issues. I don't know. How did you like Scott Gaudlewski? Art. It wasn't bad. It was definitely better than Phil Hester. Okay. It was not as two thousand cartoonish. I feel like I've seen his work before. Mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on what though. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, um, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to transition that. But let's talk about <laughs> our <laughs> uh, Black Cat number five. <laughs> the one comic we have been enjoying this right. year. <laughs> Jed McKay has been a hero and a boy. I appreciate everything he's done. To my girl, Black Cat. Yeah. Felicia Hardy is a joy forever. However, however, um, the art has been a constant burr in my side. <laughs> uh, Travel Foreman is um, he's a difficult man for me to like. And I, that's actually... Let me let me walk that back. I don't even know who he is. He's, his art is difficult for me. Travel Foreman has been a constant disappointment to me, mm-hmm. and uh, now he's gone. And we have <laughs> Michael Dowling, who, um, you know, I wouldn't say he's worse. He does, however, very clearly trace. Oh, really? All of his art. Yes, it's um pretty obvious. He's tracing photos i can't tell if he's using like poser or something mm-hmm. to trace those backgrounds that have like these extreme up shots or whatever but it's all very traced oh. and uncomfortable it's uncomfortable in a different way than travel foreman so mm-hmm. it's kind of holding steady with the art jed mckay however wrote this story in a very different way than he usually does because black cat is usually a one shot at a time you know mm-hmm. it's the flavor of the week which i really appreciate it gives me a nice little heist every time I pick up an issue and I'm like astonished that we can get a new heist each time Mm -hmm. but this time we're gonna have a two-parter uh Silver Fox takes uh Black Cat down on one final heist they're going to steal (laughs) the god of the New York Thieves Guild this guy called the Gilded Saint what a throwback the Thieves Guild or the Gilded Saint? The Thieves Guild, because we haven't seen that since the last Black Cat run. Exactly. Yeah, they've been kind of quiet. We've been forgetting about them. What was the name of the New Orleans god? Is it Kandra? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Remy's goddess. Anyways, the Thieves Guild down south, just a quick refresher for everyone, mm-hmm. has a goddess that they pay a tithe to, so long as they continue to tithe they are granted immortality. However, the New York thieves had um, a falling out and they are no longer blessed by the original goddess of the thieves. Okay. So now they need a new patron. Basically, they've pledged themselves to the Gilded Saint. The Silver Fox thinks that what he can do is offer something better. Well, he's dying in a few months. So, you know, spoilers. He's going to try to be granted immortality. Mm-hmm. And we waste a lot of time going back and forth, showing how he's tried in the past to even go groveling to Dracula himself. <laughs> but, you know, everyone he's tried to go to for help, he's robbed or wronged, mm-hmm. but they just won't help him at all. So he can't figure out through magic or science how to save himself. So as a last resort, he is trying to one-up the New York Thieves Guild, by offering the Gilded Saint 
The Deed to Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, normally, in a normal situation, that would be a ridiculous thing mm-hmm. to give all of Manhattan. But because this is a Marvel comic <laughs> and everything takes place in Manhattan, yeah. I feel like that's a really big bargain. I feel like... <laughs> I feel the guild insane isn't going to be able to like use a deed to manhattan are you sure because you don't think it would be able to say like nah fantastic four you want to go over there no i need you to take care of this avengers you too doctor strange (laughs) this is a giant skeleton that rips holes in reality so basically i can just imagine him in a courtroom like ripping the ceiling open to go hello um actually i say that they can't build there because you know, remember me, I have the deed. <laughs> I mean, is this a better choice than Silver Fox trying to make a deal with Mephisto? I don't really know. I don't know the Guild of Sane. I don't know how much he loves real estate. <laughs> he loves riches, and he loves dead people. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of that in Manhattan. Well, it's basically, this is the whole gist of it. Mm-hmm. They walk down through the catacombs, they make the deal... It ends. Yeah. There are some flashbacks to make it last longer, but really, mm-hmm. we didn't need it. It was a really quick story. It was really quick. It really didn't tell us much at all. No. Um, there were no clever moments. Black Cat just kind of follows around like, what? Yeah. You're dying? Oh, what? She was you there to this? just kind of move the, the plot along by asking the right questions for him to keep <sighs> expository. Basically. But his idea is that he's going to become immortal and so is the Black Cat. Right. Which, you know, just basically given what the black cat sacrificed during um, the Keenan Black event, mm-hmm. I think she's not going to go for it, and she's going to have to Put make that choice. <laughs> <laughs> like he's old yeller. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but she might have to fight the Gilded Saint, which would be really fun. That would be pretty fun. I want to see her fight a giant skeleton, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> So, um, in hopes of better things, I'm giving this a 5 out of 10. Yeah, and Jed McKay hasn't really steered us wrong yeah, in no. a while. Even, like, his non-Black Cat stuff has been great. This is probably the lamest out of the two runs he's had. Yeah. And it's not as bad as the thing I'm covering next. Oh, yes. a bonus. A bonus. <laughs> so, you cover Superman, I cover Batman. That is the deal this that we is have struck. True. Uh, Batman the Detective by Tom Taylor came out this week. <laughs> yeah. A new number one. You know how much I love number ones. Mm-hmm. So this one had the famous Andy Kubert doing the art. Yeah. I've always had mixed feelings about Andy Kubert. He can be good. He can also be very bad. Only thing I've seen of him was uh, Flashpoint. Oh, nice. So, in the meantime, <laughs> anytime the flashes get together, something happens. I know it's something. <laughs> something happened. Something went down. Wally got hurt. So, yeah, basically this one, Batman's grown into a very large ape-like human <laughs> with these bulging eyes that are traveling at dangerous speeds to the side of his head. And uh, he has a fraction of his former hair. He kind of... Yeah, I don't know what happened. He joined the Bat military or something. Yeah, he looks like a really beefy drill sergeant. Yeah. It's... In the uh, the Zack Snyder nightmare outfit. Yeah. Yep, they gave him the stupid ugly goggles, the gristled unshaved <laughs> face, and the high popped collar. Trench coat. Yeah. And um, no explanation as to why. No explanation except that he's going to go to England and it's cold. But he did have like a <laughs> weird reason for him to have like those stupid oven mitts on his hand Mm -hmm. 
And that is because across the pond, he sensed ghosts. <laughs> All right, so here's, here's the inciting incident. Are you ready? Okay. I think we've mentioned on this podcast before the Knight and Squire, which are the British version of Batman and Robin. Yeah. Squire kind of looks like the Morrison, um, Carrie Kelly. Yeah, she's got the red hair. She's just the peppy sidekick to mm-hmm. a knight who basically looks like Batman, so yeah. whatever. But they're the, they're the British version, and they had to fight Nazis in their secret base in Stonehenge, <laughs> which is, I don't know. If I were British, I would be offended. I don't know why. But, like, whatever. It's fine. So they're actually upping the ante this time with an even sillier story. Um, knight is gone, and the new knight is the old squire. So right. Beryl, the squire from last time, the little redhead, is now a bigger redhead. And she is in a plane. And suddenly the plane gets hijacked by a bunch of people with white Batman masks. Mm-hmm. Now the white Batman try to destroy the plane. They run out of the plane flag smasher style. Good tie-in, yeah. Parachute <laughs> out and uh, she dives out with them. Mm-hmm. And they fight and they fall and a plane lands on them and fire. But don't worry, <laughs> Beryl has plot armor. <laughs> because she left the actual armor back in the castle. Right, she's not even in... <laughs> she's just some redhead, and uh, her squire is a little kid named Amina. Yeah. Amina is uh, not dressed like the old squire. Mm-hmm. The old squire's outfit was very ridiculous. Very Shakespearean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She, she's got those those pantaloons. <laughs> but um, no, this one is. She looks like I don't even know what she looks like. She looks like basically a, a, a tiny knight in chainmail with a red hood. But like and the red hood mask. is like a Smurf hat, some sort of like alternate reality '80s nightmare of a Smurf. <laughs> so, anyways, she meets up with Batman who's checking out the crime scene. He's going on and on about, had to pull some strings with MI6. Oh, by the way, this Batman monologues a lot. You skipped over the whole thing, too, of, like, his reasoning to go to England. Oh, did I not say he was... Oh, sorry. In case you were nowhere near Batman for the last... (laughs) I don't know how many months. uh, Alfred died. Yeah. And uh, he can't stand being in that drafty old castle anymore without Alfred. So boy, oh boy, he's going to pack up and move to England. Again, it's this depressed thing of, like, there's nothing here for me in Gotham anymore, which is a freaking lie, because I guess, fuck my kids, am I right? Don't do that. (laughs) But, like, the, the big thing about Batman is, like, he knows his city is corrupt. He is always trying to make Gotham City a better place. Mm-hmm. A better place than where he left it. He knows it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Which is why he keeps trying, despite how many times he fails, because he's only human, and he knows this, and he knows he can't save everybody. Right, and we were promised, when Batman lost his wealth, that this would bring about a more resourceful Batman, a leaner Batman, a Batman who protects his city, even at great cost to himself, even when it's hard, we're going to see him, you know, being tested. 
And this is Tom Taylor's version of Batman being tested. He packs up and leaves town with two suitcases. And very much like the Tom King Batman did when he went on his honeymoon with Selina. Yep, when the going gets rough, Batman leaves town. Which makes no sense to me and double down with the inner monologue of saying there's nothing for to keep me here. There's no reason to come back. Right. So they're trying to make it dramatic. They're trying to get him over to England, but they're doing it in all the wrong ways. How about why were there a bunch of Batman hijacking a plane? I need to go research that. Mm-hmm. That would have been enough. We don't need to hear him go, ah. Everyone I love dies. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm yeah. gonna go away. Like, he's had to leave Gotham for many occasions for many different things. Between crime, off-world things, whatever. But he always comes back. Because right. that's where he's needed. Instead, we get, like, three or four pages of him going, his house so drafty. <laughs> it's like, all right, buddy. But he's still got his... his I was trying to say man cave, his bat cave. <laughs> and it's not like he's the Tinian Batman who's been cast out. Yeah. This is a Batman with all his resources going, me and my two suitcases are going to run away from home. <laughs> so whatever. He goes to join the circus, I guess, because he gets there. He starts looking at this plane and there's the new squire. She pops up. She is wowed by him, like, ooh, you're a Batman, you're so cool. Why do you have oven mitts on? He's like, ooh, I got these from Constantine. Um, he doesn't tell her that. He says it's because uh, supernaturally cold. And she's like, oh, all right, welcome to England, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, he can sense ghosts because he brought Constantine's gloves. He doesn't just say, oh, yeah, these are Constantine's. He goes... Constantine won these in a game with a demon, but he doesn't want to wear them because he doesn't like to fight with his hands. That's right. And it's like, TMI, Batman. <laughs> what are you doing? So he's fighting a gentleman ghost. Which looks completely different yep. from what we're used to. Gentleman ghost is usually presented with a top hat and a monocle and no face. Usually looks like a gentleman. Yes. And he says, like, Pip pip cheerio types, <laughs> you know, phraseologies. I don't know. He's just he's charmingly like old school British. Yeah. Almost like a stereotype. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that he would be here in jolly old England. Right. But now his face is a spider. Got like those weird mandibles. He kind of gave me uh, Beta Ray Bill vibes. <laughs> like a nightmarish thing because his face is so like stretched out. Yeah, and he's, like, really bloated, and he's, like... His ripped top hat looks more like a bowler hat. His clothes are all ripped to shreds. Yeah, it's kind of got a Solomon Grundy thing going That's on. That's exactly what I was thinking, like, the Solomon Grundy of Gentleman Ghost. But why <laughs> does he have a face now? Like, he did say, oh, I feed on fear, and there were 360 dead people to feed on? I didn't know Gentleman Ghost fed on fear, because why know. isn't he partnering up with Scarecrow then? <laughs> or Sinestro? I've never seen him do that, which is so weird to me. I'm like, do I not know his backstory? Do I not know anything about Gentleman Ghost? Because I've seen him a few times. Yeah. And he's always been a pretty chill dude. Mm -hmm. He's played, like, opposite some heroes. He's a bad guy. He hasn't been, like, Parasite. It's kind of like the Riddler in a way of, like, I'm right. doing this to be fun. And it's like, oh, good show. You beat me. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's that kind of hoax. He's not, like, Parasite. He's just like, I need to free. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Gentleman Ghost, 
Gentleman Ghost. <laughs> He's now called Gentleman Gross. <laughs> Gentleman Gross reaches into Batman's chest, grabs his heart. He's like, oh, let me tell you about yourself, Batman. And he's like, okay, so so you're not afraid of anything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're grieving your dead. Oh, I can take the... He, he grabs his hand with his oven mitt, and he goes, let go of my heart, which... It sounds like a bad breakup line. <laughs> it, it sounds like a song. <laughs> like he's going to start singing anyways. He's like, let go of my heart, and he pulls him out. Gentleman goes fades. I'm sorry, it's so stupid. It's so stupid it's that he's carrying this around. Mm-hmm. And and he, he carries his, his pain on his sleeve, and he, he gets into the hospital. He meets up with Beryl. Beryl's like, did you meet my new sidekick? Did you impress the hell out of her? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, oh, come on. And he goes, I punched a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, there it is. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so... Really out of nowhere. It's just really stupid, like, who's a good Batman? (laughs) Who's a little Ghostbuster? Sully Batman and his stupid goggles and his trench coat. Anyways, a bunch of Batman run through in full military gear. And one of them is kind of like a Hulkish guy. Yeah, I don't know, it's like a video game. They've got the the Hulkbuster Batman, uh-huh. and then they've got the military squad Batman. Then there's Squire, and he says the dumbest line. He's like, Squire's brave. She's willing to stand against all of them to protect her knight. Like, I, Tom, what are you trying to set up, Tom? Tom. Anyways, he's like, <laughs> I'm going to protect both these women, and I'm going to do it by myself. And then he starts this monologue about his fathers and how they were both medical men. Yeah, <laughs> this whole thing. He's like, one was an Air Force medic, <laughs> one was a doctor. What didn't Alfred do in the Royal Air Force, honestly? Swiss Army knife of jobs, that man. <laughs> Jack of all trades. So you're going to find out he's actually part of the royal family. Yeah, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> the secrets of Alfred revealed. Anyways, he goes, because of his two doctor dads, he has no mercy for anyone who would attack a hospital. <laughs> is that just not, like, the worst writing? I, just Oh, is that why we're not cool with people attacking a hospital, Batman? I didn't know that. I've been getting so angry all the time whenever I see the news. <laughs> so he knocks him out of, like, a four-story building, right? And then he says, oh, it's gonna be a hard landing. Fortunately, I have some people I'm very angry with to soften the blow. I'm sorry, why does Batman talk like this now? I'm very angry, and that's gonna change physics for me. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, if you're a Snyder fan, you're gonna love this, is all I'm saying. Because <laughs> he, he looks absolutely silly, and I know you people love that. <laughs> so, and at one point, yeah, one of the girls actually looks at him and says, you look terrible. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I dislocated my shoulder. And then you're like, no, she's talking about your stupid outfit yeah he keeps saying how old he is he's getting so much older he can't do what he used to do and like because he's such a hulk of a man people have been saying he's slowly turning into the frank miller batman please no (laughs) but yeah i mean he does kind of look more frank miller-esque i guess Mm -hmm. so he's like going through he's looking at all the passengers and he's like oh all of these people that died in the plane accident were people that i've saved at some point in gotham Mm mm-hmm so he thinks that people are going through and killing all the people he saved. Some sort of weird psychological revenge. Yeah. So that's the mystery they're setting up, is that they're going to have to find out 
who's trying to kill Beryl, who's trying to kill all the people he saved. Mm -hmm. And why on earth are they starting in England? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, the art, it was inconsistent. There Mm -hmm. were some panels I thought were good, but it's pretty gnarly when it's bad. The writing was very fanfic-y. It didn't feel like Batman. It didn't even feel like any version of Batman that you could take seriously. It was very amateurish, which is weird because I'm pretty sure I've read some stuff from Tom Taylor that I enjoyed. Tom Taylor can be great. And I think we spoke about this, too, during the Nightwing review, where when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, it's really bad. And I feel like we're getting that because I, I know not a lot of people liked it, but I like the story behind Injustice. I am a fan of things out of continuity that stretch their limits because it's out of continuity. It doesn't affect things. I liked his deceased stories and the the spinoffs of that. I liked the deceased too, for the most part. Mm -hmm. There were issues with it. Yeah, there were some, but overall it was still, it was a pretty good read. And uh, his Nightwing, I feel like I'm still warming up to. (laughs) And um, this, I was really excited for this story because I was a fan of Tom Taylor and it is out of continuity it is out of continuity but the writing's just too bad for me fair enough no I I get that like I did not have a fun time reading it I don't feel like it doesn't paint Batman in a flattering light um it doesn't explore anything the psych 101 evaluation from gentleman ghost was lame I feel like they ruined him I just feel like he really doesn't no Batman because he lost me on like the second or third page whenever it was that he decided that he needed to leave Gotham City and he didn't know what was there to bring him back. That was immediately where he lost me and I would have just put it down right then and there. I mean I I appreciate that Batman feels so strongly about his bonds with the people he's close to but the fact that it comes and goes based on what writer's writing him it it absolutely drives me crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was it was bad. I'm not sure I want to pick it up again. But yeah, I mean, like, good for him. He's getting work. Yeah, he's definitely becoming one one of those main writers, and I feel like that's just because they had so many layoffs, and there's so few of them now. He's the only one that'll keep working for forty dollars <laughs> an hour. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I'm not gonna read it again. So I'm not reading it again either. Good luck on your next title, Tom Taylor. Hopefully, you can put some more work into that. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, so for me, it was like a 2 out of 10. I gave it a 1. You know what? Yeah. You've convinced me. 1 out of 10. <laughs> I was trying to think of one thing that I liked. take much convincing. It's not like Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> I was going to give it an extra one for trying to revive Beryl, and then I was like, I never liked her. But that's one reason I wanted to see her revived, is so that she could be fun. Well, we were joking about that, too, when we said this was an upcoming comic of, like, what if he revives Knight and Squire? And he did. I was, and, like, uh, almost positive he was going to. It's just, he also revived Gentleman Ghost. <laughs> Hard to do. Uh, but, yeah, I thought he uh, he dragged everyone through the mud and nobody was safe. Yeah. And, uh, it, was a, it was a good effort, but the payoff was actually worse than not doing it at all. Do you think he's going to just bring in all the British people? He's going to bring in John Constantine. He's going to bring in Etrigan. I don't think Constantine's going to make an appearance. I would be really shocked if Etrigan did. I do think that we're going to see some original characters, and I think he'll pull at least, like, two other legacy British people. What's that knight guy that used to hang out with Vigilante in Justice League Unlimited? The one who rode the Pegasus. 
Oh, yeah. Was it like Golden Knights? Valiant Knight or something like that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I liked them. I liked their <laughs> Night of the Museum dynamic, yeah. right? It was, it was good. I felt like it could have been explored more because they would have like all this miscommunication, odd couple style. Mm-hmm. I could have gone for that. D- guys, do a mini series of those two. That would be <laughs> so funny. Oh, well. Um, so to move along, uh, next week we're going to have some cool comics. Do you want to go over DC? Sure. So we're getting another Batman number one, but this one is a Fortnite crossover <laughs> oh my called Batman Fortnite Zero Point Number One. First of all, I never played Fortnite. <sighs> I'm still surprised at the thing. I've been hearing a lot less about it, but also they have been really partnering up with both Marvel and DC. Again, I never played, but I see all these commercials like, oh, now CW, Arrow, and Flash are playable characters. Thanos, Thor, Captain America, Wolverine, Raven just got introduced. You scared me. I thought you meant like Fortnite was going over to CW. Oh! (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, um, I've played Fortnite. It's fine. It's just a battle royale game. It's it's okay. It was never seemed like my type of game. But yeah, um, this is being written by Dan Slott's backup writer, Christos Gage, Mm. and uh, various artists are going to be jumping onto this. So the blurb says, A crack splits the sky above Gotham City, a tear in reality itself. This rift pulls the Dark Knight into a bizarre and unfamiliar world with no memory of who he is or where he came from. Batman's been drawn into Fortnite. Oh my gosh. As he fights to recall his past and escape an endless loop of chaos and struggle, he'll come face to face with the likes of Renegade Raider, Fish Stick, Bandolier, and more. No. While the world's greatest detective strives to make sense of the strange new world, he'll uncover the shocking truth about the island, what lies beyond the loop, and how everything is connected to the mysterious zero point. Batman Fortnite Zero Point uncovers secrets never before revealed in-game or anywhere else. Every fan of Batman Fortnite, stunning art, and edge-of-your-seat excitement won't want to miss the Cape Crusader. Save not only himself, but other familiar faces from the DCU and perhaps the multiverse itself. So that sounds like about as much thought was put into it as, uh, (laughs) I don't know, my latest Twitch stream, honestly. (laughs) Like... (laughs) How does he get rift in the fabric of reality? I don't know. He gets sucked in, maybe, and then he has to play Fortnite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's literally any of those video game movies where they're like, he's a nerd, and now he'll get to use his nerd knowledge to stop aliens. Apparently, Catwoman and Deathstroke are also making an appearance in this. Of course, I don't care. (laughs) Don't show me this. So that's a thing that's going to happen. Then we have the final issue of Neil Adams' Batman vs. Ra's al Ghul. Mm. It was so bad. We got Catwoman number 30, The Flash 769, Justice League number 60, Nightwing 79, Scooby-Doo Where Are You number 109, Superman Red and Blue number 2. I think Joshua Williamson has a story in that one. And then uh, the printed version of Truth and Justice number 3. Superman Red and Blue is dead to me. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about your stupid Superman at 12 Years a Slave Thankfully, fanfic. the people that usually jump onto these mini story things, it's just a one and done. I know, but like... It was really bad. Is the same editor going to be doing this? Because I don't trust like that. 
<laughs> if they're still on board, I will not read it. That's all I'm saying. I'll find out for you. Okay. Uh, so next week also has some Marvel comics, Alien number two, The Amazing Spider-Man number 64, The Avengers number 45, Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade number two, hmm. Captain Marvel number 28, Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, number two. I was meaning to pick up the first issue of that today. I just didn't get around to it. I've read so much today. I know. <laughs> Do you want to give me a rundown of what you read? Um, so I read the Superman. I read the Batman. I read Black Cat. I read uh, Better Ray Bill's first issue. That was really bad. Mm. I read half that Alien comic. Right. Um, I read Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan and Will Conrad, and that was just absolute garbage. I'm not reading Wonder Woman until Becky Cloonan is off. And um, I read Thor. I still love your art, Becky. I mean, you you told me what happens in that. I was just like, thank you, but no thank you. I'm not doing that to Mm -hmm. myself. So I I got so interested in that I lost my place. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, Let me see. Oh, Carnage, yeah. So also Champions number six, Eternals number five. The Mighty Valkyries is coming out with a number one, um, <laughs> written by Jason Aaron and Tarun Grombeck. <laughs> oh, the Avengers guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and the artist is going to be Mattia de Lewis. Well, guess what, guys? It is Lady O'Clock, and I'm going to tell you some, <laughs> some of the feminine things that you can get from Marvel these days. If you sign up <laughs> to read The Mighty Valkyries number one, here's what you get. Jane Foster gets a fresh start, and allies both new and old. Jane Foster believes she was the only Valkyrie left, but the fight against Null, the Keenan Black, proved her wrong. Now Valkyries must redefine their roles in a changing world, and Asgard's not going to make it easy. When Loki comes to Jane with rumors of a beast stalking the souls of Midgard, she leaps into action, but she's not the only one after the strange wolf's hide. She'll need backup but her ancient co-worker has other priorities. <laughs> Years ago, the warrior made a promise to a woman she loved. And now, it's time to follow through, get the real story behind the Marvel Universe's newest star, and don't miss the start of an all-new epic adventure from powerhouses Jason Aaron, Torin Grombeck, and Mattia de Lewis. Oh, um, boy. So that told me, like, pretty much nothing. Just that it's focusing on Jane. Probably there's going to be multiple Valkyries. There was that we saw during the King and Black miniseries. There you go. I don't really like Jane Foster. I'm sorry. I know some people think she's the bee's knees, but, like, she is not the bee's knees. I can blame it on Jason Aaron because all I read from her was that King and Black stuff. But, um, yeah, it was a no. you say from her? Well, I'm going to blame Jason Aaron for bad writing for her, for Jane. Oh, okay. I was like, is Jason a uh, girl? I literally fell asleep during that miniseries. I was on the couch reading that, and I passed out. (laughs) (laughs) Another murder committed by Jason Aaron. (laughs) What did I read of his? It was the Avengers with the Phoenix Force, right? Yeah. Where uh, Wolverine says, oh no, my goodies! Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) T'Challa has that boob window. Yes. I mean, you could say Jason Bubuno Aaron, but I, I prefer Jason Oh No My Goodies Aaron. Um, because that's what's going to stay with me. As my dear friend Wolverine going, Not my gumdrop goodies! Jeez, man. Yeah. Anyways. Really rough. 
Great. I'm glad he's um, right in Jane. Okay, so <laughs> Spider-Woman number 11 is also coming out. We're also getting D- Star Wars Doctor Aphra number 9, Sword number 5, Ultraman The Trials of Ultraman number 2, and Way of X number 1, hmm. written by Simon Spurrier and masterminded by <laughs> shadow leader Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> the artist is Bob Quinn. Let's read this blurb. The way to the future of X. Mutant kind has built a new Eden, but there are serpents in this garden. Oh, gosh. So... (laughs) (laughs) You love your religious analogies. (laughs) Gotta. With the X-Men? Are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. There probably literally are, though, like serpent mutants. Some mutants struggle to fit in. Some mutants turn to violence and death. (laughs) And the children whisper of the patchwork man singing in their hearts only one mutant senses the looming shadows snared by questions of death law and love only nightcrawler can (laughs) fight for the soul of Krakoa only he and the curious crew he assembles including fan favorites Dr. Nemesis Pixie and Blink can help mutants defeat that's so annoying though because like (laughs) Listen, Nightcrawler and Blink have, like, almost identical power sets. Oh, really? <laughs> and, like... Oh, she teleports. Yeah. <laughs> I knew nothing of these characters. This is a terrible lineup. Anyway, sorry. Those people can help mutants defeat their inner darkness and find a new way to live. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get that with Nightcrawler being kind of their... I was going to say cleric, but what's the, like, actual word for chaplain? He's, like, their chaplain. <laughs> He's going to help fight their inner darkness. Um... I'm going to finish up that Krakoa nonsense, I hope. Please. I'm begging you. It doesn't seem to be going away. From what I've seen, they're still making projects of number ones of the X-Men stuff up until July. It's okay to, like, get through an arc in a timely manner. You don't have to drag your feet like this until we've forgotten what it was like to have normal mutants (laughs) that weren't creepy death cultists. Yeah. It's so boring and embarrassing, and I'm over it, and, like, I don't even care what you guys do with it. Just stop it. Okay, anyways. X-Force number 19 is coming out, you guys. And then I have one more blurb. This one's from the Women of Marvel. Oh. Number one. I'm gonna read this monstrous blurb. (laughs) Um, It's gonna be written by various writers and artists, anthology style. You know the drill. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is so hard for me. I can already, like, taste it in my mouth. All right. Do I have to say this? (laughs) I want you to say it in that very corporate style. Who runs the (laughs) web? In that BBC style. Who run the world? You already know. Oh, it should not be said from the British. (laughs) makes it so much worse. It actually reminds me of that girl who's like, and this is how you dance hip hop. And then she just starts like, voguing. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so who run the world? You already know. Oh gosh. Celebrate the women of Marvel with an extravaganza of extraordinary talent. The future is female. Get in on the ground floor with this amazing assembly of writers and artists from all over entertainment. Comics legend Louis Simonson <laughs> kicks things off. 
That's what I say about all my introductions to comic books is, oh, a must read. 10 out of 10, Pulitzer. To me, it reads like either Melissa McCarthy or Amy <laughs> Poehler being very expressive as they're like, you know, like throwing punches and kicks in the air as they're giving the speech. <laughs> in my head, I'm reading it in like a National Geographic way. <laughs> As we can see, the lone female stands above the males in her pack with her innate femininity, which grants her special abilities. <laughs> Sorry, Louise Simonson, that I've been clowning on you, but um, congrats on your must-read introduction. That's really great. Nadia Shamas punches the glass ceiling with the Jade Giantess. <laughs> now, is the Jade Giantess punching literal glass ceilings? Is that what we're going to see here? Or... Is she just punching, like, a sort of metaphorical glass ceiling? What is it that this woman is doing that we haven't seen before? We don't know. <laughs> Elsa Junison grits her way to the front line with Captain Peggy Carter. Yeah, Ooh. I'm going to pump up the action here. Okay. Sophie Campbell goes feral with a bone-grinding <laughs> marrow story. Video game and comics writer... And Tool oh, makes her Marvel debut in a blaze of glory. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Natasha Alterici of Heathen fame. Char you remember that famous Heathen comic? Wow. She's going to charge sword first into the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I thought they were trying to make Heathen like a positive term. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you remember that filthy heathen tool? <laughs> or Natasha Altrucci, sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. You know how Tumblr likes to call themselves little heathens. I did not know that. Oh, what part of... Never mind. Um, sorry, this is taking a really long time. It's a long blurb. It's, it's such a crazy blurb. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, how many of these women... Like, you can't just say it, it has... Elsa Junison, Peggy, um, Sophie Campbell, Anne Toole, Natasha Alterici, they're just all, like, doing something action-packed. Mm -hmm. Punches male CEOs through windows! <laughs> oh, wow! Um, there's Astonishing Art from new and established artists, Kezama from Transformers and Death's Head, Eleonora Carlini from Power Rangers and Batgirl, Skylar Partridge from Resident Relics and Buth, Joanna Estep from Fantastic Four and Fraggle Rock. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's a throwback. All things I haven't read, which is fine. And more. And you're sure to come away powered up and ready to slay in high heels and boots alike. <laughs> you know, those two things that women wear. So, um, I could just sense the gaslight girl boss from here. I'm just gonna, like, nope out of that real quick. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine, like, the male equivalent of this nonsense. Any monster truck commercial, any wrestling commercial. No, you know what it reminds me of is, like, when Coke... Was it Coke? It was one of those drinks, and they were like, This isn't for women. Women need to stay home. I'm sorry. I just... This is one of my triggers, I guess. <laughs> I'm, like, having a, a meltdown right now just thinking about how much I despise this kind of pandering. This is for girls that like to, like, I don't know, kiss themselves in the mirror? This is so... We're working on my vocabulary. Self-indulgence. <laughs> Just throw back to last week. <laughs> 
it's it's so stupid and selfish and exhausting and I don't even want to say self-indulgent because it is straight up pandering it's like ladies do you ever feel oppressed <laughs> read our books they're all about women not like you but like better than you <laughs> women that the whole world bends to basically and you know there's gonna be some toxic masculinity in these there's gonna be some men there'd be some women like punching them back and like yelling slurs at them and like but it's okay because they're men you know just some really like evil stuff is gonna go down and we're gonna call it heroic like that's the vibe I get and when I see stuff like this I'm like I'm going to be pandered to in a way that's going to make me turn purple with rage well especially because again like aside from us covering black cat so like what we just said coming out next week what is it dr afra uh-huh. then you have sword which is made up of majority female you have spider woman you have captain marvel mm-hmm. you have the avengers yeah and then of course the valkyries there's yeah. we're already gonna get like a huge saturation of women but this time we're going to get a compilation and listen i love jobs created specifically for women Mm -hmm. i am a little bit selfish that way i love diversity hires that like unfairly you know lean towards my benefit i'm (laughs) all about that however it's really awful to say but it's an awful thing to think and i think it so i acknowledge my bias here you know i'm pro women Mm -hmm. but when i see something like this when i was little i would see all those things targeted little girls and they would be like it's flower power (laughs) you know you can be anything you want to be because you have the power of girls (laughs) they would like market baby dolls that like vomit to to little girls they'd be like because you have flower power it wasn't flower power it was like it was was just girl girl power power, yeah and i remember looking at that like what on earth is wrong with these people like do they think we're that stupid do they think girls are stupid because that's what i'm getting and i would get so outraged because i would be like why don't you just sell me the product and go like why are you why are you talking down to me you know that's what it feels Mm -hmm. like they're baby talking to me because they think i'm like a child that like sees a shiny thing and it's like I have power, thank you. Oh, wow, you gave me permission to do what I want? I do it anyways, every day. <laughs> Leave me alone. You know you didn't have a backbone until you saw those commercials. Suddenly, I'm filled with power. Another woman broke a glass ceiling? Well, now I can. It won't be as impressive, because she did it first, but... That's fine. I was waiting for permission anyways, because I'm a cow. I don't... Just give girls regular Legos that aren't pink. Let them build what they want. Let them do what they want. Let them play outside barefoot. And if they want to wear makeup and high heels, let them. Like, it's not that complicated. It's really not. And somehow it keeps coming up where they're like, let's empower you in the most surface level way possible. And you're like, Because they don't want to overstep too much. No, it's because it's shallow corporate marketing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm seeing here is women of Marvel. We're going to see a bunch of women poorly written. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're going to say, you're welcome, ladies. We've done all we could. Goodbye. It's very much like that scene in Endgame. Mm Mm-hmm. With all the women just slowly showing up to, to save Peter. Oh my gosh, when they all like stood together and uh-huh. it was like supposed to be empowering. 
oh, I just, I felt that through my spine, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to see any more of this. <laughs> like, it, I was checked out for the rest of the movie. I feel like my needs are simple as a woman from entertainment. All I want is good plots, good dialogue, and yeah. good art. That's not much to ask for. I feel like those are the three basic concepts of a comic book. You'd think it would be that way, but it is not that way. As we've been experiencing. I feel like the the primary purpose of Marvel is to educate us on like the current trends. In some cases, really outdated trends because the writers are not with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like otherwise there's a rare collection of writers who actually make entertaining fiction. I'm really surprised that Leah Williams and Kelly Thompson were not on that list. I know, right? Because they're like the biggest Marvel writers that I know of. Kelly Thompson's been doing the, well, she's currently doing the Black Widow uh, series and she was doing the Deadpool series. Leah Williams has been doing all the X-Men stuff. I feel like just the, the lack of well-known established women on this is like they also sense the toxicity from there and decided to distance themselves. Maybe. It could be amazing. Maybe the person who wrote the blurb is some guy in his 50s who thinks this is what women want. Maybe it's not. Maybe <laughs> this is exactly as toxic as it's going to be. And you know what? This whole rant has actually inspired me to read this. I'm going to read this. <laughs> because... <laughs> this is what you're covering next week? My my level of rage is high enough now. It hit that threshold of, I will hate read this. <laughs> That's where we're at. Because, like, now I'm, I'm ready for a roast. I'm excited. Pander to me, I will tear you down. <laughs> you know how hard you can break your leg when you're on six-inch high heels? I'll show you. <laughs> With the cat and cat fight, I'll do it. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> Before I start making as many puns as this had, let's get out of here. Okay. Um... <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to um, V's Empowerment Hour. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, seriously, guys, thank you so much for all of the listens that we've been getting. Uh, we've been actually growing a lot recently. Yeah. It's been very exciting. I'm excited to see where this goes, um, and I'm excited to give you guys more premium content. <laughs> It's not an evil laugh. It sounded like an evil laugh. So, no, it was a self-effacing laugh. It was me, like, trying to imagine what I, what value I've brought to your lives today <laughs> as you listen to me, like, rail against... <laughs> against feminist marketing strategies <laughs> to make a buck off of the average woman. It's what we call the pink tax. I feel like it anything this podcast has definitely taught potential comic employees what not to do in terms to get your attention <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like these like sliding things on the door we, we've made you something else and i'm like ah take it away <laughs> kick it with my high heels um i don't know where i was going with that and i'm sorry okay. i keep reading i can't get out of my head now i'm so angry it's really just been a downward spiral hasn't it it's infuriating because like 
We genuinely love comics. I know. <laughs> we do, I promise. <laughs> I mean, we read a bunch of good stuff. A lot of the old stuff. We watch some of the good movies, some of the classic animated stuff. I mean, like, you just go through that Chuck Dixon stuff, and you just devour it, and then you come back to this, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Yikes. And I mean, like, we were talking about comics we loved throughout this podcast like mm-hmm. it kind of started as a, as a slope because we had tom king and bendis at the same time mm-hmm. then we got ramped up in the summertime we were getting a pretty good high going on then Tenyon took over and we were excited about that it's kind of like the erasure of the middle class of comics <laughs> we get the high highs and the low lows it's yeah. very few in between now mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why we need to cover more indies. And I've been pushing for that on this podcast. I'm always down to cover an indie. You just tell me when. All right, I will. The gauntlet has been cast. It's been casted last year. Well, I didn't know, and now I'm sad. I feel obligated to cover Batman and all of his iterations, but you know what? Damn it, I'm gonna, um... I'm gonna start slow. I'm gonna look at some image stuff. Okay. I'm gonna bring forward some Dark Horse. Okay. Maybe a few of the smaller publishers. Sure. We're going to see some weirdo stuff. I mean, now would be a good time, too, because Invincible just came out on Amazon. Ooh. You want to cover Invincible? I'd cover Invincible. I only read the first issue. That'd be fun. And compare it to the animated series going on. Maybe we could even cover some old comics um, that came out. I picked up some trades that, you know, I think could be prime fodder for television, like the It Girl yeah, you. I mean, you got some indie things you referred to me to, too, like Black Hammer. Oh, yeah. Never read that. I don't even think that counts as indie now. It's, like, so popular. Oh, really? Did you ever read Hargrove County? No, but you've you've told me about that one, too. The Umbrella Academy? No. You've told me about it, though, and I know there's a whole Netflix series, and it has a really big following because of Jared Way. And, yeah, Jared eh. Way does a lot of stuff, though. Not just that, but yeah. I would love to cover more stuff. That'd yeah. be cool. You can do a dive back. Yeah. And there's nothing new coming up. Just <laughs> go dip into the old. I mean, that's what we were doing the first two months of this. <laughs> that's fair. All right. I like it. So thanks for coming to our production meeting, guys. Yeah. Please feel free to follow us for uh, more witty banter, I suppose. Yeah. Also, if you haven't already, if you know our good friend Jedi Josh from Nerd Chat Comics and Culture... He just did a video with Muse covering the first issue of Captain America, which you can find on his YouTube channel, Nerd Chat. That was very cool. I am going to finish it. (laughs) You listened to all of it, right? Yeah. Was it good? It was was definitely enlightening, because, you know, I never read any of these, like, Golden Age stuff. So, yeah, it it was pretty cool to, to hear about. Nice. Yeah, I only caught a glimpse of it so far, but... It sounded fun. Yeah. I'm into it. And if you want to read it with a more modern art to it, a couple weeks ago, Marvel released that 80th anniversary uh, Captain America tribute where they just reprinted the number one but have modern day artists working on it. Yeah, it didn't. Wasn't there like a discrepancy in like how they were trying to fix past mistakes? Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Huh. I'm going to check on that. Okay. I'm excited to finish listening to it because, like, we've been listening to or we've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier and talking about Captain America and all those iterations. I had to tell Joe about the Sisters of Sin and the Constrictor and all those guys. And Werewolf Captain America, which I did not know was a thing. (laughs) 
What the heck? Listen, Nomad had some adventures. <laughs> Steve has had a colorful past, and I haven't liked all of it, but I have liked a lot of it. And mm-hmm. so I think it's worth diving back into old stuff. Yeah. And exploring uh, Captain America in his best and worst moments. I'm down. I've been trying to wrap this up. I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, or YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week. I mean, we are open to anything. We're open to the old (laughs) stuff. I'll read any disgusting new stuff you present. Clearly, obviously, I have no boundaries. We will happily hate read whatever you throw at us. (laughs) As long as it's not something, like, dirty. Yeah. My voice is all hoarse now. (laughs) Anyways, let us know which comics you want us to cover next week. We will cover anything. Clearly, I have Mm -hmm. no taste, and (laughs) I will read anything. Um, And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye.